0: Man, well, there is this phenomenon happening among college students, and I kind of heard about it, and maybe you heard about it, but I really saw it when I went away to college, and it is that college students change their majors, like, a lot. Like, a lot. Like, I had a friend, one of my roommates in college, who changed his major eight times. He still graduated in four years, but Eight times. It's like once a semester, this dude just kept changing his major. And these people that change their majors, they're, it's never like the logical change. It's never like, hmm, yes, I'm changing from business finance to business administration. It's like this guy's changing from like business to sports marketing. He thinks he's going to be hanging out with LeBron James at Nike. I'll tell you what actually happens. I end up working at the Dairy Queen down the road. That's what really happens. But man, and, and I'm not trying to like make fun of these people or get on these people because the truth is I like did the same thing. When I was in school, I started as a music major. I wanted to be a worship leader, and then I kind of changed my major halfway through. And one of the reasons that I did it was because I was so terrified by the alternative. See, on one side, there are these people who change their majors more than they change their clothes. But then, on the other side, you have people who pick a major, pick a career path. They quickly find out that they are not cut out for it. They are not good at it, but they are too afraid to do anything about it. And so they sit in it. And man, when I was in the music program, I, I saw this, and it was like embarrassing. Because there were just people who just like weren't good. And, and in music, like if you're just not good, you're not good. And, and I'd be like, dude, like this, you're paying so much money to just like not be good at something. And it's kind of embarrassing. And even though I'm talking about like majors and school stuff, and some of you are like, please stop talking about school. Um, the truth is, is that there's a much deeper problem going on. Like what's happening among these students is that they have a view of themselves that is different, that is in conflict, that has tension with the way that God had gifted them, the way that God had wired them and made them. And see, this was like my problem when I was younger, I thought I was like super creative, super right-brained, super musical because I had all these friends that were like that, and that's how I wanted to be. And when I tried to like walk that out, there was so much tension and so much conflict because it really wasn't the way that God had wired me. It wasn't the way that God had gifted me, and it wasn't the way that God had called me. And I had to kind of figure that out, and um, man, it was, it was difficult And I think a lot of the times, whether we're talking about career, whether we're talking about life, whether we're talking about relationships, we have a view of ourselves that is in conflict with who we are, how we've been created, how we've been wired, how we've been gifted. If I could say it another way, our calling is in conflict with our identity. Our calling is in conflict with our identity. See, God has gifted you. He has called you. Yet you walk around sometimes with this false view of yourself, this view of yourself that is in conflict with the very things that God has called you to. And I'm not trying to say this like it's something you should have figured out by now. Like maybe you had no idea this was kind of going on in your life. This isn't like an easy thing to spot, and it's not an easy thing to fix. The truth is... A lot of the stuff that's going on in your identity is rooted in lies that you've believed, shame over the things that you've done, expectations that people have put on you, words that people have spoken over you, and even hurtful things that people have physically done to you. Nothing about this is easy. Nothing about this is obvious. But it's important because if we don't figure this out, like if we don't get our identities right, we are in danger of never realizing the potential, never realizing the calling that God has placed on our lives. And like, this is more than just a Christian thing. This is a human thing. Like we all have dreams. We all have desires. It is innately in human nature to want your life to mean something. And the idea of never getting that. The idea of never realizing the potential, never realizing the calling that God has called you for is scary. But the alternative, the other side, the idea that you could have your identity well-rooted, that you could taste and see the things that God has called you to, that your life could have meaning that should make you feel hopeful, that should make you feel exciting, excited, and the difference today is where your identity is found. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus and you're not a Christian, I don't think I have to explain to you what it's like to have a broken identity or to have an identity that's conflicted. See, I think if you did some self reflection here today, too, like you would see the ways that shame and lies and hurts and scars have impacted the way that you view yourself and the way that you live your life, and the way that you carry yourself through life. And so it's my hope today that you'll see that there is another option. That in Jesus, there is a better and sweeter identity than anything this life could offer you. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a few different passages in the book of Genesis. And I want to look at some defining moments in the life of a man named Jacob. And if you were here during Photoshop Part 1, Doug talked about Jacob and his two wives, Rachel and Leah, and their father in law, Laban, and this kind of really whacked up, crazy story. And that's really not an isolated incident in Jacob's life. Like, Jacob's life is kind of full of these weird instances. It's a very, like, uh, doesn't feel like this is a guy who God is going to use or God is going to call. And he is really the epitome of the guy whose, um, whose calling is in a conflict with his identity. Like, God has called him to some amazing things, yet he is always getting in his own way, and he's almost never walking in that identity of a person who's called by God. So Jacob was one of the twin sons of Isaac. So you have Abraham, who was called by God, and God told him, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. And you would think, like, okay, then he's going to have, like, a bunch of kids. But he only has one son, Isaac, Isaac. And so you're like, okay, Isaac then has got to have like a bunch of kids. Like we got to get this nation thing rolling. But Isaac has two sons, twins, the older Esau and the younger Jacob. And so there is so much pressure on these twin boys. Like before they're even born There is pressure. There is an expectation for God to use them and to make this whole promise of a great nation thing start happening. And a prophet is actually going to show up before their birth and go to their mother, Rebecca, and prophesy over her. And he says, there are two nations in your womb. And the younger is going to rule over the older And the younger will be the more powerful one, and the younger will be the one that God uses. And so I want you to see this, that before they're even born, Jacob has a calling placed on his life. There is a calling for God to use him, to make a great nation from him, for him to rule over his elder brother. And yet at the same time, we're going to see that an identity is thrust upon Jacob as well. And in the ancient Near East, where this is all taking place, names were very, very significant. See, in our culture, names carry like a bunch of different meanings and uh, varieties. Like you can be named after someone. Your name can have like a definition. Or like your parents could just name you something that they liked, like uh, a name that they thought was cool. And this is like a very normal thing in our society. But back then, your name was not merely a way to identify you. It was a part of your identity, what your name meant would go before you in people's impressions of you, in their expectations of you. It was how people were going to view you. And in that case, Jacob is like a really horrible name. And you're like, Jacob's a fine name. I know a couple of Jacobs. No, Jacob in this situation is not a great name, it means deceiver the one who overreaches, the one who assails. It comes from the Hebrew word heel, and it literally means heel grabber, the person who is always grabbing at the heels of the person in front of them. And he's named this because when Jacob and Esau are being born, Esau is being born first, and Jacob's hand is wrapped around his brother's heel, as if to say, I should go first. I want to be the firstborn. And so everyone around is looking at these two infants and already projecting this identity onto Jacob, that he's going to constantly undermine his brother, that he's going to be a heel grabber, a deceiver, a cheater, and that's how everyone is going to treat him. That's what everyone is going to expect of him. And I want you to see this, that before he's even born, he's been given a calling and an identity that are in conflict with one another. That he is given the calling of someone that's going to be used by God to make a great nation that God is going to use. Yet the identity he is given is deceiver, liar, cheater, and heel grabber. And this is going to follow him for the rest of his life, for, for many, many years. And so I want to start in Genesis 25, verse 27, which says, When the boys grew up, Esau became an expert hunter, an outdoorsman, but Jacob was a quiet man who stayed at home. Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for wild game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was cooking a stew, Esau came in from the field exhausted. He said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stuff because I am exhausted. That is why he's also named Edom. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, Said Esau, I'm about to die. So, what good is a birthright to me? Jacob said, Swear to me first. So he swore to Jacob and sold his birthright to him. Then Jacob gave him bread and lentil stew. He ate and drank, got up, and went away. And so Esau despised his birthright. And if you look at these two, it's like watching like Dumb and Dumber over here. Like you got this one guy who's willing to sell his birthright away for stew and another kid who's like, like literally using a bowl of lentil soup to deceive his brother. And I want you to notice that in the very beginning, it makes it very clear that these two boys are just living out what their parents want for them. Esau is the dad's best friend. Jacob is the mama's boy. And a lot of you know what that's like. Maybe before you could even walk, your dad had you in football pads or your mom had you doing things that, man, horseback riding or something you just didn't want to do. And they're just living out what their parents want for them. And it's interesting to me that Jacob is never quite able to shake that identity that he's given at birth. I think a lot of us think that if I was given the name Deceiver, I would want to, like, distance myself from that a little bit. Like, I'd want to prove to everyone that I'm not that guy. Like, I'd want to be on my best behavior. And I think a lot of us think we would do that. But the truth is, when there is an overwhelming volume of voices, when there is all this pressure, all this expectation, when everyone's first impression of you is that you are going to act a certain way and do certain things, a lot of us will do what Jacob does and give into it. See, like, I think a lot of us are actually doing that right now. Anyone who is ever bullied kind of understands this. I don't know. If you were bullied, if you were, you're not alone because I was bullied. And the thing with bullying is if you were bullied long enough, consistently enough, by the same voices saying the same things, you will begin to believe what the bullies say about you. Maybe I am ugly or a loser or not worthy of love friends. Like, this is what happens when the voices are telling Jacob who he is, and it's what happens when the voices are telling us who we are. And man, if you haven't figured out yet in this who the smarter brother is, I'm going to give you a hint. It's not Esau. Like, like this dude sells his birthright away for a bowl of stew. It's not even like a nice ribeye. Like, I'd kind of get that, right, if it's like a beautiful steak, dry aged. Like, no, like, I don't even like lentil stew, and he's, like, selling away his whole inheritance for it. Yet, I want you to notice, like, what kind of person, seriously, what kind of person twin brother walks in, he's starving, and you see that as an opportunity to cheat him out of his inheritance. Like your your first thing, your go-to is like, let me see if I can leverage this to steal my older brother's birthright. And like at that point, you gotta be wondering, how is this guy, the guy that God is gonna use, like how is this guy, a guy with a calling on his life from God, and it's only gonna continue to snowball in his life In Genesis 27, verse 1, says this. When Isaac was old, his eyes were so weak that he could not see. He called his older son Esau to him and said to him, my son, and he answered, here I am. He said, look, I am old and I do not know the day of my death. So now take your hunting gear, your quiver and your bow, go out into the field to hunt some game for me, then make a delicious stew that I love and bring it to me to eat. So that I can bless you before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening to what Isaac had said to his son Esau. So while Esau went into the field to hunt some game to bring in, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, listen, I heard your father talking with your brother Esau. He said, bring me game and make a delicious meal for me so I can eat and bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now my son, listen to what I tell you. And so Rebecca is going to tell Jacob, hey, disguise yourself as Esau. Trick your father into giving you the blessing of the firstborn. And and if you notice who's pulling the strings here, it's clearly Rebecca. Like She is one of these voices in Jacob's life that is speaking this false identity over him, and there will always be voices around you telling you who you are, telling you how to act, telling you what you're worth, and some of them will be positive. Like, I hope that in this church there are positive voices speaking over you, telling you who you are in Jesus, but the truth is outside of these walls, outside of this community of faith, there will be more negative voices, And this is not an opportunity to blame other people. Like Jacob, Jacob had a choice to make in this moment. And if you read a few verses down, he's actually going to resist what his mother is telling him at first and then he gives in. And a lot of us have a choice today. And there's someone who needs to hear, like, it's time to stop blaming other people for the things that you're going through, for the things that maybe you're struggling with or that you're believing. And I know that this is nuanced. I know that this is more complicated. But but just like a couple of things right here. Man, if your mental state is being affected by the music that you listen to, if your purity is being affected by the movies and TV shows that you watch, if your friend group is causing you to make bad decisions and affect the way that you view yourself there is an answer that we often do not want to hear and that we have to cut those things out we have to do surgery on our lives to remove those things and it's not easy no one ever said it was easy but it's something that we have to do and so often we don't and we do what Jacob did and he gives in and so he's going to literally put on his brother's clothing and he's going to put fur on his arms because his brother was a hairy man. That's what the Bible says. And look, man, I'm just doing what the Bible says. And so he puts hair on his arms and he disguises himself and his dad thinks that he's Esau because he really can't see. And he blesses him with the blessing of the firstborn. And I want to read the blessing that Isaac is going to give to his son Jacob because I think it really highlights the conflict that exists in his life. May God give to you from the dew of the sky and from the richness of the land an abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow in worship to you. Be master over your relatives. May your mother's sons bow in worship to you. Those who curse you will be cursed. And those who bless you will be blessed. And like, you're kind of like, this guy he still has a calling on his life. Like, first before he's born, and now again, he's a liar, he's a cheater, yet God still has a calling for him, and in the midst of his twisted identity, in the midst of this crisis and conflict, God still has a calling on his life, and he has a calling on your life. And you need to hear this today, that you might be caught up in some things, and your identity might be a mess, and you might be struggling with some things, but God still has a calling on your life. And so often what we do is we get caught up in our shortcomings. And so we think, man, God has just gotta be disappointed in me, he's probably mad at me, at best he's tolerating me, and he's waiting for me to just get my life together before he can use me, before he can put a calling on my life. And the truth is that that is a lie, that he is calling you, and in these moments he's calling you louder because he wants you to bring yourself to him. He's calling you to himself. He has a calling on your life in the midst of the conflict. And so I desperately don't want you to be like Jacob. See, he never quite shakes this identity. And for years, he's gonna struggle with it and the choices that he makes like, constantly come back to bite him. Esau is... Like, I mean, Esau's got it rough at this point, right? Like, he loses his inheritance. He loses his blessing. Like, he is is freaking out. He's going to find out what Jacob did, and he's literally going to seek to kill his own brother out of anger. And so Jacob does what cheaters and liars and deceivers do, and he runs away. He runs away. And a few years later, Jacob ends up having this crazy encounter with God in Genesis 32. It says this Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated it. Then he said to Jacob, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? the man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he answered, why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. Then Jacob named the place Penuel, for I have seen God face to face and said, yet my life has been spared. The sun shone on him as he passed by Penuel, limping Because of his hip. And so a few years later, Jacob is hanging out at this river called the Jabbok, and he begins wrestling with this guy all night. Now look, I don't know what you do in your free time. I'm not asking you what you do in your free time. I've never chilled by a river and wrestled with a dude until daylight, but that we're just gonna leave that there. At a certain point, it becomes clear to Jacob that he's not wrestling a man, but he's wrestling with God. And he's asking for a blessing. And when I was writing this, it became so clear to me what was going on. Like he's asking for another blessing. He's asking for another blessing affirmation of his calling like he just so desperately wants God to tell him what he's called to what he's supposed to do and what I found so important is that he doesn't get that he gets an identity change Like he's asking for a calling, he's asking for a blessing, but God says, no, 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 your name was Jacob, but now it's Israel. And it's under this identity change that he's able to walk out his calling. It's literally from this moment that Jacob's life is like completely different. And this is where the name Israel comes from, from Jacob's identity change. And he's not going to be perfect. And if you read his story, you'll see that he's still far from perfect. But it's so crazy that his life is never the same from that moment. And you can't miss this. It all begins with an encounter with God. An encounter with God has the ability to change everything. Every identity change that we see in Scripture starts with an encounter with God. Abraham encounters God, and, or Abram encounters God and becomes Abraham. Jacob becomes Israel. Simon becomes Peter, Saul becomes Paul. And you can't miss this, the physical identity change that we see in Scripture are meant to point our eyes to the spiritual identity change that we have in Jesus. I'm going to say that again. The physical identity changes that we see in Scripture are meant to point our eyes to the spiritual identity change that we have in Jesus. Our God is in the, in the business of changing identities. This is why Jesus died on a cross for you and for me, to give us a new identity, to call us righteous, to call us redeemed sons and daughters. You are no longer The lies that you believed, you are no longer the shame that you carry. Paul is going to say in 2 Corinthians 5, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. That literally, when we put our trust in Jesus, we are given a new identity. We are a new creation. The old us has passed away. You can say with security, I know who I am in Jesus. And our bottom line today is that when your identity is secure in Jesus, you are free to walk in your calling. See just like Isaac he ne- or just like Jacob, he needed to undergo some identity change before he can fully walk out the calling that God had on his lives. And for us, a lot of us need to get our identity in the right spot before we can start walking out fully the, the calling that God has on our lives. And so you need to do some reflection. you need to figure out what it looks like for you. I don't know what trips you up in your identity. Like, I don't know that thing, maybe you bo- you're believing a lie or maybe it's a hurt or maybe it's shame. I don't know what it is for you. But I'll tell you what it was for me. It was loneliness. And at first, it doesn't really sound like something, like an identity issue. And it's difficult to talk about because one, it's just a really painful part of my story. And also, um, it's just hard to explain. I I remember trying to explain it to a few friends a while ago, and it just wasn't making sense to them. And so I'm going to try my best here. Um, When I was a lot younger, I had just gone through a lot of rejection in friendships and a lot of rejection in different relationships. And I began to get very, very lonely. And I had started to believe a lie that Um, I not only was lonely, but I was kind of meant to be lonely and that loneliness would always be a part of me. And what happened was this lie took root deeper within me. And if I can explain it, I hope you're tracking with me. It's like it was no longer something that I believed. It was something that I was. And I had to put that identity to death. Death. And embrace my true identity. And it didn't happen overnight. And it wasn't easy. But it was worth it. And it wasn't long after that season in my life. That God started revealing huge things to me about who I was. The way that he gifted me. The things that he's calling me to. And man, like even though... That was one of the most painful parts of my life. I also remember that transition being one of the more exciting parts of my life because God began to call me and lead me and walk with me through those things. But it was only after my identity was in its right place that I began to walk in that stuff. And so what I want to do right now is just talk a little bit about some of the things that God might be calling you to and how we can put our old identities to death for our new identities in Christ. And so the first thing that God might be calling you to is that identity change. And like, maybe you have big dreams. Like, I hope you do. Like, I know that there are some planet shakers in this room today, and, and God is calling you to big things and you kind of already feel it and you know it. But the first thing you have to do is take your fears and your anxiety and your shame and your brokenness and this false identity that keeps rearing its ugly head and you have to lay it at the feet of Jesus and surrender it. And I think what we often struggle with is not laying things at Jesus' feet but leaving them at Jesus' feet. Like, I have no problem bringing my issues, bringing my problem to Jesus, but my problem is, before I leave, I kind of grab it and put it back in my pocket. Like, you need to leave those things at Jesus' feet today. So maybe the thing that he's calling you to is to fully and authentically surrender your identity to him. Maybe you're like me and you believed a lie. And you let a lie latch itself onto your identity. And you need to go through what I call the unlearning process. That you need to unlearn the lies that you believed, the things that you learned, and you need to replace it with the truth. And that's key. That you need to do things like spend time with God, have extended prayer times where you are speaking the truth over who you are. You need to be memorizing scripture verses, memorizing Promises from the word, memorizing, even worship lyrics, man, like so that when throughout your day, when those triggers come, when people begin to speak over you or when the shame begins to come back, you have weapons to fight with. You need to unlearn the things that you learned. And and let me just tell you, the work for all of this is not on you. Like This isn't like I'm just giving you a bunch of homework. Like The truth is that the Holy Spirit promises to co-labor with us. That's what sanctification is in the New Testament. It's this idea that the Holy Spirit will come alongside of you. He will guide you. He will lead you. He will do the heavy lifting for you. He just wants your obedience and your trust. And then lastly, I want to talk to the person who has just taken a beating from 2020. And everyone's, that's all of us, bro. Like, like, we've all kind of taken a beating. Like, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Like, this has been one of the all-around toughest years of my life. I mean, I, I just got engaged yesterday, and it's still one of the toughest years of my life. And I think all of you would agree. Like, this has been hard. Maybe it's been a year of loss for you. Like maybe you lost your house or your job or a relationship or even a loved one. And what I would wager is that if that happened, maybe your calling is being shaken. Like maybe you're beginning to doubt, did God really call me to these things? Did I mishear him? Or maybe you're thinking, man, can I really trust God? And maybe your identity is being shaken. Or maybe you're not thinking any of these things, but the way that you're living and your view of the world and your view of life is just low and it's depressed. And man, I think a lot of us are in that boat today. And I saw this video um, a few weeks ago. And ever since I watched it, I, I couldn't get it out of my head. It's this worship leader telling a story Of of the story behind a song that he wrote. And he talked about the biosphere in Arizona. It's this cool, kind of like big lab where they do a bunch of like nature experiments. And he talked about how a number of years ago, scientists did an experiment where they tried to build the perfect ecosystem. Like the perfect ecosystem where there would be just the flourishing of life, where everything could grow, where there would be no resistance, where there would be no death. And so at first, everything was like growing incredibly. And trees, man, were just growing to like new heights. Like they were astonished at the rate that these trees were growing until one day, trees just began to fall over they just began to fall over. And not just like one or two, like every tree in the place just began to fall over as if they couldn't support their own weight. And scientists were like going crazy trying to figure out why. They were running all these different tests and they were were proposing different theories and they were trying to figure out why these trees couldn't stand. And then they realized there was no wind There was no wind. There was no resistance. There was no tension in the life of these trees to teach them to grow their roots deep. There was no reason for these trees to grow deep and to grow firm. And so once they got too tall, they just fell over. And today, I think a lot of us need to hear that man, the things that are happening are not meant to harm you. They're not meant to shake your identity, but they're meant to teach you to dig your roots deep, to draw near to God today. Because when the next storm comes or when the next battle arises, you will say, I will not be shaken because my roots are deep, because I know know who I am in Jesus and because I know what my identity is I know what he has called me to. And today we have to choose. Will we walk in the identity that Jesus offers us or will we continue to walk in the identity of lies and shame? And if you're not a follower of Jesus this identity is available for you that you don't have to wear the lies that you've believed, you do not have to be the shame that you're feeling. You can be called today a son and daughter of the Most High God, redeemed and forgiven, loved and cherished a new creation in him. That's why Jesus died on the cross for you. He died to pay the penalty for your sin, and he rose again. And in his resurrection, he welcomes us into the family of God and offers us new identity. And if you want to put your trust in him, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a second. But let's remember who we are in Jesus and that when we are secure in our identity in him, we are free to walk out our calling. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for a new identity. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins that you have provided for us, God. That we are not under the oppression of lies and hurt and shame that we are free to walk in our calling. God, would you make chains fall today? That there are people in this room who have been bound up in their false identity, God. And would you cause strongholds to come down today? Would you cause chains to fall? God, would you show us the things that you're calling us to? Would you reveal to us in the quiet moments that we spend with you, what you are calling us to. And if you want to put your trust in Jesus today, you can pray this with me. Jesus, I believe that you died for me as a payment for my sins. I believe that you rose again and that you welcomed me into the family of God. I believe that you offer me a new identity in you Would you come into my life and begin teaching me how to walk in that identity? And if you prayed that this morning, would you just do me a favor and and just make eye contact with me and just look up at me? Awesome. Amen. Amen. I would just love for you to either tell someone that you trust, maybe if someone invited you today, tell them about the decision that you made. Or come find me after service and I would love to just chat with you a little bit and talk about what's next and know that I'll be praying for you this week. Jesus, thank you for who you are and what you're doing. God, would you work in us today as we do work on our identity. In Jesus' name, amen.